Welcome back to Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Elizabeth Dunn. She is a writer on the business of food. This is Technotopia. Today's show is brought to you by Pitney Bowes, the industry leader in mailing and shipping solutions. No matter what you send or how often, Pitney Bowes has a solution that precisely fits your need. Weigh, print, mail, and save. You and your business will save time and money when you print postage, and you won't need to wait in line for the post office anymore. You also don't need to worry about putting the correct amount of postage in your letter or package. The system does it for you. Remember, as of January 21st, USPS mailing and shipping costs went up. But you will save three cents per letter with a Pitney Bow solution. These discounts are not available at the post office. Beat the increase. Whether you're sending a letter or a package, you'll be paying less and saving money if you're using Pitney Bow's sending solution. Plans start at $5 per month. And for our Technotopia listeners, Pitney Bowes is offering a free trial, so you're sure to find the solution that's right for you and your business. Visit pb.com tech to learn more and try it for free. That's pb.com tech. Pitney Bowes are masters in the craft of making your business succeed. We thank them for sponsoring Technotopia. Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today we have Elizabeth Dunn. She's a writer who focuses on food and dining, uh, which sounds like a dream job. I, I read about technology. I wish I could focus on food and dining. I mean, I yeah, do. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are worse beats, I think. <laughs> so, so what's so what was the what's the the, the the career path for that? Do you start out like reviewing like chicken and then go into? Uh go into something fancier right like working your way up um yeah. so i actually don't review i usually write about um trends and innovation and i actually started out as a business writer um yeah so um but this is a great segment of the business world to write about i think it's such a big part of the economy and uh it's just it's a yeah it's a really interesting topic everybody has uh has opinions about food so I've been uh, I've been looking into things and it looks like so the the restaurant industry has had its worst year since 2008 uh, in the past yep. couple of years. What what's happening? I mean cuz we we all have to eat. Yeah, it's it's funny. The data on it is really kind of contradictory and so um you've got on the one hand people are actually spending a greater proportion of their food dollars on dining out than ever. Um but on the other hand, there's this glut of restaurants. I mean, if you think about the number of restaurant options you have basically anywhere in America today versus 15 years ago. I mean, I live in New York. I think about New York. There's someplace new opening every single day. Uh, there are just too many restaurants. And even though people are sending more of their dollars towards dining out, it's not enough for everybody to be a winner. Hmm. Okay. So what is it? So is so is it a very is it a very specific is it too is it a uh, uh, it's I'm, I'm I got I got taken off guard because that's really interesting. So is it a glut problem? Is there too much out there? It's just like literally, there's too many restaurants. What's what happened in the past uh, X number of years that caused this? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of investment in restaurants, both in terms of you know just small individual investors who food got trendy, right? And so think about um, the Food Network, which launched. I don't know, maybe 25 years ago, I, that might not be right, 25, 30 years ago, driving this interest in food. And so, you know, people used to invest in, in big cities like New York in theater and productions, and then people started investing in restaurants. So you have, you know, individuals funding 
small independent restaurants at this enormous pace. Um, and then you've also got, you know, private equity firms that are pouring money into big chains. So really across the spectrum, this, this glut is not just, it's not just an independent fine dining restaurants. It's not just in chains. It's kind of all across the board. Um, the Times had a, a story on the New York Times had a story on this um, a few weeks ago that actually had uh, it talked about the, the the sort of ratio of population to the number of restaurants, and that it's just that ratio has changed tremendously in the past decade. Um, so there are definitely just too many options, and somebody will win, but there are going to be a lot of closures, hmm. you know, in the near future. So is it, does it make sense to open a restaurant now? Does it, is it? Oh God, is, no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if I wanted to make it. It's funny. Everybody went, yeah. When you write about food, everybody asks you if you've ever thought about opening a restaurant. And what I always tell people is the number one thing that I've learned writing about food is that you should, you just should never, you should not open a restaurant. <laughs> so why, why do people open restaurants? Why do, why don't we just have our food uh, poured out in little paste tubes that we, that we pour just into our gullets? Why do restaurants well, I mean, they exist? Are passion the... projects yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah, and I should say, so there's this glut of restaurants, but like I said, the other side of the coin is people are actually the trend is definitely towards prepared food. Towards, mm -hmm. I mean, people, and this is a whole, I guess, separate topic about the role of cooking in American life. But people are definitely sending their dollars towards restaurants. It's just not, you know, not not enough to support this sort of tremendous number um, that have materialized. But I think, you know, as somebody, restaurants are passion projects for people. Restaurants are, um, I think pe people get the bug and kind of they, they, they want to open the next great restaurant the same way that people want to write the next great American novel. But nobody invests in novel writing, unfortunately. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Which is why we have to sit here and write business uh, business stories. Yeah. Uh, and there are winners. So, sure. you know, I guess every time you're just rolling the dice there. But it is getting an increasingly – it's you have to really know what you're doing, and um, it's not the easiest way to make a buck. So our mission today is to is to see what the restaurants are going to look like in the, about twenty years. Uh, again, is it going to be is it going to be protein pills that we eat and then that a robot serves to us as we lay lounge around on our space couch, or are we going to go down and have artisanal uh, artisanal uh, hen uh, at some little restaurant down the way? What does what does that what does that world look like in twenty years? So one thing I'll say is that. Delivery, as with you know, the whole rest of the economy, which is going to this on-demand model, delivery is increasingly important to consumers and therefore increasingly important for restaurants. Um, that is, is, it's just growing tremendously. It's still a small percent of restaurant transactions, something like, I don't know, maybe 3% of, of uh, restaurant sales overall are for delivery, but it's just growing extremely rapidly. People, people want their food at home on the couch, um, I guess more than ever, and they don't want to be the ones cooking it. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing restaurants really have to adapt their operations towards delivery. Um, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. I, I think in the same way that Amazon has taken over retail and, you know, people are really just looking to be given things to their front door. I think that is definitely a trend that's going to be really shaping mm -hmm. um, restaurants and food service in the, in the next 10, 20 years. Um, 
and I should say it's, I don't know that that's good for restaurants. Um, delivery is extremely expensive for not only the person getting the food delivered, but, but also for the restaurant. Um, I don't know if a lot of people realize that Uber Eats charges restaurants 30% of wow. the cost of the item. Yeah. In fees. And, and they're not all that high, but DoorDash, Seamless, um, you know, it's, it's 15 percent or more of the restaurant check that they charge on top of whatever you are paying for delivery. And so um, like that, if that becomes a greater and greater proportion of a restaurant's sales, it's kind of hard to see how a restaurant, you know, with this tiny margin makes that work. Um, like I have, I have a yeah. friend who works, I have a friend who's owns a, a Thai place and he says that they basically do the delivery uh, to keep, keep the, keep the staff busy during the day. Right. So it like, it's funny if it's, if it's a small contribution to your sales, it kind of works because, um, often delivery picks up when the weather's bad. So maybe the restaurant is slow anyway, all your cooks have already shown up for work. And as long as you're getting enough from that delivery order to cover the cost of ingredients, that's kind of the only cost you really need to cover on that delivery order. Mm -hmm. You've already got the restaurant, you've already got the staff. So no big deal. But you can imagine if, 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 you know, imagine at 30 or 50% of a restaurant's business, um, it starts to, you start to actually have to hire staff for that delivery. Um, you need to, you need to, you need to sort of allocate the costs of that delivery differently. Can a restaurant survive on delivery alone? I know that uh, there's an interesting example. There's a place called Mr. Tang's down in Bay Ridge where we live uh, that went from a full sit down restaurant to uh, just a, just a little delivery place. And they and their their specific thing is some kind of lobster or whatever. But they, I guess they're are, are they? Do you think they're thriving? Do you think they're doing well? That these kind of specific delivery only. You know, um, I I know that the big the startups like have you heard of Munchery sure. or Sprig or Spoon? Yeah. So Munchery is I think struggling, and Sprig and Spoon Rocket have closed. And these are all places that had a a big kitchen and were delivering uh, meals you know, at, like as both the restaurant and the delivery capability mm -hmm. and they struggle to make it work. Dave Chang has a delivery only restaurant, but he's called Ando, mm -hmm. but he has recently opened that up to also have a takeout, you know, like a basically conventional fast, casual takeout counter aspect. Um, it's just expensive to deliver food. I think, um, you know, traditionally delivery has been done by restaurants with some delivery guy working illegally, you know, not making a minimum wage and working for tips. And that's kind of how the whole thing has worked. But if you're trying to employ delivery people legally or use some of these, um, these platforms like Seamless, I think it's, I think it's very, very challenging. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So if I'm, so in underserved areas, what is the, uh, what's the trend towards, uh, towards restaurants now? Is, are, are we going to be seeing more, I don't know, Olive Gardens and things in like small towns? Is that it? Can that save those restaurants? Well, so there are not probably going to be more. I mean, Olive Garden in particular is actually doing okay. Casual mm -hmm. dining restaurants like that overall are, are not really expanding. One chain that's doing really well that I could see maybe picking up some momentum in, in additional locations is Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. um, Chick-fil-A is just really, I, I was in a, a Chick-fil-A in rural Pennsylvania a few months ago, and it was like a Monday at noon, and there were literally cars 
stacked up at a hmm. drive-through, two lanes of a drive-through. It was it was like bonkers. You couldn't find a place to park. Um, so so chains like that are still doing pretty well, and maybe you could see them continuing to move into rural areas or to like underserved neighborhoods. I can see that happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think at this point, um, the country is pretty well blanketed with with prepared food options. One thing I do think, in addition to the delivery, is you know, delivery fulfills a specific need, but there's always going to be times when people want to dine out mm-hmm. for entertainment, you know, special occasions, and so I do think that you know that is still going to be a need that people want to fill, and that perhaps restaurants are going to have to or want to figure out ways to make the eat-in experience more of an experience. So you know. On this sort of casual dining front, one one place that you're seeing that is Dave and Buster's. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar? Yeah. Yep. With gaming, so Dave and Buster's is actually doing pretty well, um, and so is Texas Roadhouse, which has kind of this honky tonk atmosphere and servers that line dance. And the theory that a lot of analysts have is that the entertainment aspect is what's really driving those people's business because of the cost of delivery. If you if you can get people into your restaurant, that's the best case scenario. So I could imagine restaurants at all ends of the just trying to figure out ways to make coming to the restaurant an experience. So are we, are we entering a world in which um, everything is either going to be like a, I don't know, like a, a Texas roadhouse or, or a fast food place with very little in the middle? Does it, does it feel like this, this glut is going to, this, uh, this decimation is going to affect us down the line uh, of the smaller places, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that, I don't know, that meal that isn't a special occasion meal, and it's also not just fulfilling your daily calorie needs, that kind of $15 entree situation of just kind of type of place uh, may struggle. Mm -hmm. The neighborhood Italian place. I see that becoming less and less relevant to people going forward. Interesting. So, like the so the so the, literally the 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 and I'm not I'm just I'm kind of unhappy, but I'm also kind of interested in, to hear this. So it's so the so you you're seeing the trends towards a small place that opens up because somebody likes to make a really special meatloaf is not going to make it. It's not going to cut it in this industry right now or any anytime soon. Yeah, I think I think a place, and especially you have to also remember that in most parts of the country, the cost of labor is really going up, um, mm-hmm. and rent is going up, and so restaurants are becoming more and more expensive, and actually grocery prices are falling, hmm. um, which doesn't mean that people are going to be like, oh, you know, the restaurant around the corner is too expensive, so I'm going to go make my own meatloaf, um, because people, I don't think people are showing. There's nothing to suggest that people are doing more scratch cooking, mm-hmm. but. Places like grocery stores, like Whole Foods, really any grocery store now has a lot of prepared options. And that's also going to be a huge um, category going forward. You know, being able to go to the Whole Foods and get like the rotisserie chicken or get those little individual pizzas that they do. Um, so you're not cooking, but you are taking advantage of the value that you get from from a grocery store. Interesting. So now it's going to be a, so now it's going to be a true labor of love to, to open a restaurant. I think so. I mean, you know, as I said, somebody there there are dollars going to restaurants, but it's 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 really I can't think of another industry 
where there is so much competition. Does that ever um, does does it is it ever like uh, like in Men in Black where they looked up at the stars and now they they can't they can't see the stars anymore? You you look at food and you can't see that <laughs> you can't see like the art anymore. You're just like, well, yeah, the Chick Fil A sandwich looks okay, versus this uh, this slop that they microwaved at Applebee's. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. How do you find yourself? Are your dining habits changing? Well, my no. So, and if you want to, if you want to talk about from my experience, I look at every single tech object as a piece of potential landfill garbage. So, in in <laughs> that in that space, I'm it's like I'm I'm completely disillusioned. Um, I think, I mean, the way and why I love well, I love this topic is that I think the, I think it is a true labor of love. You go into these like these food truck places. You have a you have a buddy of mine who runs a um, who runs a little food cart. And it's truly labor love. He stands out there in the rain to serve people sandwiches. So it's a, so it's 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 almost an art. Whereas if you go into a, we went to Melting Pot the other day. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, it's yeah, a fondue yeah. restaurant. Yeah, and it was like uh, it was it was all the old glamour of uh, of the '70s brought to, to brought to life in in downtown Columbus. Um, and that, and you could just feel the, you could just feel that kind of restaurant dying out as well. So I don't, but I don't want to, I don't want to go to Texas Roadhouse every day if I have to go to a restaurant, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's still going to always be independent restaurants. And, and to be clear, like Dave and Buster's and Texas Roadhouse are doing better mm-hmm. than their segment, but their segment, casual dining, which is the Applebee's, TGI Fridays, um, all of those that casual dining change is doing abysmally. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, I don't think they've had a positive month of sales, like a month of sales growth since like 2006 or something. And so that, that, that is at the bottom of people's list generally. I think people are just not finding the food quality to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to do a sit down restaurant experience now with all of these options, you're not, you're not choosing that. So we're sure. so we're expecting a fancier. We're going to expect a fancier casual dining experience, and I suppose that's already happening, right? With the with the with the, uh, the uh, street Italian place. I forget what it's called. Uh, and Chipotle. So there's like this places. fine casual idea. Um, like Tender Greens is an example mm-hmm. where it's. Um, I believe Tender Greens is counter service, not waiter service, though. But, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, restaurants that really prioritize ingredient quality and um, people feel like they're getting good value because the ingredients are good and that, that, they, those seem to be doing pretty well. Okay, but there's nothing in your experience that says that in 20 years we're all going to be taking our food intravenously. Are you thinking about, I'm sure you're familiar with Soylent, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I think people enjoy, just enjoy food too much. I think people people really will go out of their way for um for tasty food and I don't I don't ever see the the desire for good food going away it's just how it it gets to you mm-hmm. and so no I don't think there's any chance that like we are all drinking soylent in 20 years I think otherwise I wouldn't be doing this job. Like I, I would, I would quit today if you told me that that was the future. All right. Well, we never know. If right. That was what I was going to be writing about. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to having casual, uh, casual soylent, casual fine dining soylent uh, pumps <laughs> that, that are flown to my, flown to my desk. That sounds like oh, that sounds like the, the future of my dreams. All right. So this has been this has been very cool. Where can people find out uh, what you're working on? 
Um, that's a good question. I have a website, elizabethgdunn.com, and that's probably the best place to go. All right, super. Elizabeth, thank you for thank you for joining on this. This is uh, this is fascinating. I would I would love to do more. Uh, if you see any if you see any soilet restaurants, just let me know. <laughs> I will. I'll keep my eye out. I'll get on the soilet <laughs> feed for you. <laughs> All right. This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. We'll see you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com.